Hi, and welcome to the Vine Missions Podcast, a short series exploring the topic of childhood development, the role of fostering and adoption, and how the Christian faith calls us to care for the children in our community. Over these sessions, we're going to sit down with a number of special guests to hear about their experiences in caring for vulnerable children in Hong Kong and how we can play an active role in helping children grow in a flourishing environment. I'm Michelle Wong, the Missions Associate. And my name is Nathan DeLista, the Missions Pastor here at The Vine. In this four-part series, we're sharing a number of conversations with adoptive parents and leaders of incredible organizations who have been caring for some of the most vulnerable children in our city. Today we're hearing from Catherine Gurt, the CEO of Pathfinders, and Stacey England, a social worker, counselor, and an adoptive art. Our two guests work closely with some of the most vulnerable children here in Hong Kong and offer an important insight into the psychological and social challenges which many vulnerable and unsupported children face at a very young age. Stacey and Catherine, welcome so much to the Vine Missions podcast. It's such a privilege and honor to have you join us today. Uh, you know, we were just talking uh, that there's so much ground that we want to cover off in the next 20 minutes. So let's just, just jump straight into it. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience and some of the incredible work that you're involved in? So my, my name is Stacy England. I am a counselor and I focus my private practice on adoption, attachment and trauma for children and then work with families as well. And I am part of the Adoptive Families of Hong Kong Steering Committee and as an organization, we serve adoptive families, whether they've adopted from Hong Kong or anywhere else, but they're mostly living in Hong Kong. I'm Catherine. I'm the CEO of Pathfinders. Um, and Pathfinders has been going for 12 years, um, and we bridge social service gaps in Hong Kong to ensure that children born to migrant domestic workers are protected um, and respected. Um, essentially, to ensure that these children, uh, some of the most vulnerable and unsupported in Hong Kong, receive a fair start in life. So one of the things that we've been exploring over the last, oh, over the first session was kind of like engaging with the idea of, you know, what does it mean for us to look at childhood development or protecting children from a biblical perspective? Um, so Andrew and Christine really opened up this sort of conversation piece um, for us. And one of the points that really stuck with me was this, you know, just understanding how God's heart for the vulnerable, um, especially for children, for the orphans, um, is really a key part of his character. And then also for us to respond so Stacey, you've, you've done some work with children in this space. Uh, what are some of the at-risk children which you've identified here in Hong Kong? Yeah, so at-risk children can come from a variety of areas. Um, when we are looking more at adoption, um, unplanned pregnancies is one of the biggest things that leads to adoption, and that can be among teens who don't have support from their families or just have different dreams that they feel they can't pursue. Um, so they're facing an impossibly hard decision at that point. And some of these teens choose to raise their children themselves. Others may choose adoption. Um, another thing that can cause trouble is an unstable home environment for the mother or the father. Um, so sometimes these pregnancies come out of not stable relationships. And so there's maybe not a long-term relationship between mother and father. And one of them may want to raise the child, but the home that they're in isn't stable enough to support raising a child. Um, another thing that can make it really difficult is substance addictions in the parents. So they wish they could take care of their kid. They're really trying their best, but their dependence on a substance prevents them from being able to. And so those kids can be in danger of abuse or neglect. Um, uh, you'll hear more from Catherine about domestic helpers that are in Hong Kong and the struggles they face in really trying to take care of children if they become pregnant. Um, and then also children of asylum seekers and refugees. So they, there are a lot of limitations around 
the living environments and the work that's not available for asylum seekers and refugees. And so it can be very difficult for them if they become pregnant to provide for a child and be able to take care of them. Stacey, you have a wealth of experience working with different children and families in Hong Kong. Can you share more with us what are some of the scenarios that commonly represent the challenges that children face today from your experience? Yeah, so I do think it's important to note that children really from any socioeconomic background can become vulnerable. Um, but frequently those that, like the families that are more wealthy, when they realize a vulnerability, have more access to resources to take care of those needs. Um, in many cases, the pregnancy itself is the trigger for needing adoption or foster care services. So if it is an unplanned pregnancy from a domestic helper, a teen, um, they, they might start planning for adoption early, and there are some support services around to help them do that. Um, in cases where families aren't choosing adoption, it could be mental illnesses and the lack of support for, again, asylum seekers, refugees, just low income in general, um, and low education can make it very difficult if there's mental illness or substance abuse to meet the needs of the child. And so those are children who maybe never get enrolled in school or they go to school sporadically. And so other people in the community might start to pick up that this child's needs are maybe not being met or they're in danger somehow. Um, and then another thing that can cause difficulties is if a child itself has special needs, so the child maybe has a learning disability or developmental delay, and if the parents aren't educated and don't have support in how to take care of that child, just the exhaustion and frustration can lead to sort of kind of running away from those needs or not knowing how to meet them, and that can mean the child is neglected or abused if the parents get completely frustrated and exhausted. Right, and it's really interesting because I think you highlight there's two, you know, well, there's obviously a lot more, but then there's, there's a very distinct difference between people who have the opportunity, have resources mm. to respond to this and those who don't. Um, and you mentioned that, yeah, migrant workers here in Hong Kong as a city is one of those areas. Um, Catherine, maybe you can help us un outline, I guess, how migrant workers and their children are particularly vulnerable in this space. Mm, I think it builds on what Stacey was saying as well about this sense of unplanned pregnancies because we often see that in migrant domestic workers um, in addition to, to teens. And I think that's where we see a crisis unfolding. And Hong Kong employs 390,000 migrant domestic workers at the minute. And that's projected to surge to over 600,000 by 2047 to help Hong Kong cope with an aging population. And most of these women are women of childbearing age. Um, many of them lack reproductive health knowledge and access to services. For example, family planning is closed on a Sunday, which is most workers' day off. Um, and all women in Hong Kong, including migrant domestic workers, are entitled without discrimination to maternity leave. However, in practice and reality, um, and despite legal protection, um, pregnant workers are often fired or um, pressured to resign because simply they and their employers don't know what else to do. And so when this happens, the pregnant worker immediately becomes homeless. And within two weeks, when her work visa expires, uh, she loses all access to essential services, including things like health care, which is essential for a pregnant mother and her unborn child. And if for any reason the mother can't return to her home country, potentially for fear of being persecuted because she's a single mother with a mixed-race child, these children are typically undocumented um, and have no access to medical care, shelter, and education. 
Um, I think as a working mother myself, I've experienced just how reliant firsthand we are on um, the invaluable support of our migrant domestic workers. Um, on the rare occasions that our auntie is, is, is on sick leave, my husband and I absolutely struggle to, um, to juggle the demands of a full-time employment and the needs of a, a young family. Um, and during COVID, particularly um, with children regularly restricted from going to school, it would not have been possible for both of us to maintain um, our employment without the wonderful support of our worker. So I have no idea how families um, would function um, in this instance, and um, particularly when we're looking at an increase in maternity leave from 10 to 14 weeks um, from this month. Um, and so understandably for many employers, when their worker becomes pregnant, their minds race with similar concerns about how they will cope, particularly if they have young children and aging parents. And so there's the real concerns and I think the other challenge for the employer is the fact that actually it's very challenging from a financial perspective to pay maternity leave and potentially pay sometimes expensive um, temporary care solutions because there is such a lack of care and facilities for young children and, 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 and aging parents in Hong Kong and so I think then what we see at Pathfinders is often the worker is um, is too scared to tell their employer that that she's pregnant um, she's fearful that she's going to lose her employment. And so actually what we see increasingly is that many conceal their pregnancy, which um, re often results in a crisis potentially of an unassisted risky home birth in an employer's home, or worse, the worker taking matters into her own hand and looking at illegal options such as um, an illegal abortion. And then there can be often quite strong criminal, criminal consequences as a, as a consequence of, of, of that. So... I think we're at Pathfinders actually quite concerned or gravely concerned that if we don't see sort of immediate systemic change and also policy change, um, we're going to increasingly see these children remaining very vulnerable um, in Hong Kong. And but we, we see there's being solutions. You know, we we so Stacey now talking earlier about the fact that actually if you if you look at this with imagination and collaboration. Um, there are ways that we can sort of move this forward, but really it revolves around finding um, viable solutions for employers um, to be able to, to keep their worker. Um, and also for the worker to have confidence to have an earlier conversation with her employer about the fact that she's pregnant. Because if you have that at three or four months of pregnancy, you have a good four months to find a, a solution or a plan. And where there's a plan, the chances of a child falling into crisis is, is, is greatly reduced. Catherine, you highlighted a very important part of our city that's often overlooked. Many of our congregation members have employed a domestic helper. And in fact, it's very common in Hong Kong for families to have a foreign domestic helper living in their homes. And we don't talk enough about their welfare in our city. So Stacy, could you help us look at this more from a child's perspective? What are some of the impacts or developmental issues that can result when children grow up in an unsafe environment? From the adoption perspective, a lot of adoptive parents have to wrestle with what kind of developmental issues can we manage. Um, and so just to, to look at that, I think one of the important things to consider is the, the stress on a baby before it's born. So during the pregnancy, like the, the period Catherine was talking about where they can offer support and protection and how important that is. So lack of nutrients in the mother can just cause delays developmentally, both physically and mentally for the child. Um, when the mother is very stressed, so if it is a domestic helper that is afraid to tell their employer, or even a full-time working mom 
at any level. If there's really high stress or if there's domestic violence in the family, that stress in the mother can cause changes even at the genetic level for babies. Um, and any substance exposure can. Some, some substances like alcohol can cross the barrier, the blood-brain barrier in the child as well and actually restructure the way the brain is growing. And that has like life, lifelong developmental impacts for that child from, from birth onward. Um, and so those issues of substance exposure dear in utero, for adoptive parents to consider, even if you get an infant, there's a guarantee of, at the, even in the best case scenario, there's a significant loss from that first mother. Um, so we know that babies in utero can learn to recognize voices and generally can recognize the smell of their mother. And so by losing that first mother, the child automatically has a sense of loss, even if they got great support, they had education, they had nutrients, and they had a lower stress because of having a plan. And then after birth, there's a lot of different things. And these are more generally, I think, what people consider regarding um, just the impacts of abuse and neglect. And so some of those, just with low education, if it is neglect, there's a lot of different cultural ideas of how to raise a child, and there's a lot of different generational ideas of how to raise a child. Um, and so there, there's different things that can lead to neglect. You think, you, you've probably heard, just, just let them cry it out. And sometimes that's okay, but sometimes you really, the, the cry is a request for help, and it's the only language that a baby has. And so I kind of just want to paint this sort of the best case scenario and then what can be lacking. So when a child is born and gets held, there's this attachment that starts to bond. And when a child cries because they're hungry and they get fed, they learn that the world is safe and they learn that their needs will be met. And that learning happens immediately, right? So it's starting just from birth and onward. The child is learning the world is safe. I can trust people. I can ask for help. Um, and so when that's not available, whether it's because the mother is too busy working, if a child gets put into institutional care, um, there are quite a few children we see in Hong Kong who spent the first few months to few years of their life in the hospital because there was no adoptive family available. And so they may have had a lot of care, but it's from 50 different caregivers. And so that really can cause troubles with attachment for children. And so for adoptive parents, that, that becomes a challenge to really intentionally teach the children how to attach. And that's a lot of what we do therapeutically as well, is exercises. Um, because that, if a child does get to attach to their first mother, to a specific foster parent or caregiver, then they've learned how to attach, and that attachment can be transferred. Um, but when there's abuse or neglect, that attachment really gets disrupted. And so abuse can teach you that the person you trust and need the most is dangerous, and so that leads to very disorganized attachment. Um, and then all of this over time can lead to very negative core beliefs about self. And so that it's really hard to believe that I am lovable and that I'm worthwhile and valuable if some of these early needs were not met. So that's a lot of what we work with in the counseling setting and equipping parents to be able to teach the, the truth of how lovable and valuable and worthwhile their child is. Um, and then some of those other sort of long-term, whether it's from the stress or other in utero disruptions or exposures, 
just understanding the lifelong aspect of some of those delays, I think, is really important. And, and being able to help adoptive parents grieve maybe some of the dreams they had for what their family or their child would look like. And that's true whether it's an adoption situation or a biological birth to a child that has special needs. Hearing some of the, the contrast that exists around that, especially like I think the way that you highlighted how important you know, that initial part is when it comes to you know, helping children develop. Um, how do they flourish um, in, a, in a natural environment or a nurturing environment? Um, Catherine, so we know that you and Pathfinders have seen firsthand how some of these challenges I think that Stacy highlighted have impacted children. Um, maybe we can pick up, uh, continue on that thread that Stacy started to highlight. What does it mean for us to actually respond? Have you got any stories where you've been able, or been able to see um, or support a family um, that's had breakthrough, that's really been able to care for the children or for the parents? At Pathfinders, we put the child at the center of everything we do. And as Stacey was saying, sort of one of the key components in early childhood development is a sense of nurturing care and a sense of having a safe and secure environment um, within which to, to grow up. Um, and so we're driven by our, our sort of our, our mandate that all children receive a fair start in life. I wanted to share with you a particular story that demonstrates a, a children that didn't, but actually the opportunities that were missed as a consequence of them not having the, that, that sort of chance um, as, as they were born. Um, so I'm going to tell you a story about Sita. Um, she came to Hong Kong from the Philippines 30 years ago to work as a migrant domestic worker. And when she came to Hong Kong, she fell in love with a musician, um, also from the Philippines. Um, when they were pregnant with uh, their second child, he left for a gig in Macau, and he never came back. Um, so she was abandoned with a small child and another on the way, and she had no idea what to do and had been in hiding in Hong Kong um, until last uh, November when she came to Pathfinders. Um, her incredible daughters are now 30 and 29 uh, years of age. And for all intents and purposes, they didn't exist until we were able to, with some difficulty, secure them each a birth certificate um, last month. Um, they have spent the whole of their lives hiding in Hong Kong, living in numerous uh, places with supportive friends and family. They've never been to school um, or accessed any form of health services um, in their entire uh, 30 and 29 years of life. Um, despite their beginnings, when you meet these young ladies, they are incredible. They are so strong, resilient, and very positive about the future. Um, for many years, they wanted to come forward uh, to surrender, um, but they were really fearful of the consequences, which uh, would have included going to prison. Um, they sought help on numerous occasions. Many found their case far too complicated and didn't know how to help them. Um, others proposed needing to spend quite a lot of money um, in legal fees um, without any guarantee of success. Um, so we're sure this isn't an isolated case um, in Hong Kong and just wish that this family had known about Pathfinders much earlier. Um, and it's been a real privilege to work with this wonderful family over the last year and we're really excited about what the future now holds for them. But we just hope that the more people know about the existence of Pathfinders, the more that we can intervene at much earlier stages to give, um, including children like this, uh, a fairer start in life. But one of the things that we like to do with uh, the, these pathways is we're going to try and create an opportunity for people to, you know, both be learn and be informed about the issue, but then also, you know, find ways that they can respond. Catherine, what are some of the ways, you know, that, you know, people who are listening to this, who are, you know, kind of like exploring their potential personal response, that they could come alongside and support some of the children or the parents that, that Pathfinders works with? 
For us, it's all around awareness. Um, please help us ensure that uh, families like Sita and her girls know that we exist um, and that we can help them. Um, if you have a friend who's employing um, a migrant worker and discovers that she's pregnant, encourage them to do the right thing, um, maintain her employment and direct them to Pathfinders. We're here to help them, um, the employer as well. If you know a worker who is pregnant and scared, please encourage them to come and seek help early as possible. And that gives us plenty of time to plan. Um, because as we said earlier, the more time we have to plan, the less chance there is for that child to fall into a crisis situation. Um, your congregation can follow us on social media and sign up to our newsletter. It's a great way for them to learn more about what we do. Um, and please consider making a one-off or a monthly donation because we simply can't do what we do without the incredible support of the community. Yeah, wonderful. Well, uh, we're going to include a lot of those links and resources um, on, on the missions page as well for people to access. Um, how about you, Stacey? Like, what are some of the things that what you have experienced um, you know, that people can be generally aware of when they see, uh, I guess, the need here in the city that they could do to support? Yeah, so coming from the adoption perspective, obviously, if that's something that's of interest if you have been considering or praying about adopting. Um, definitely continue that prayer. Um, but also families that do choose to adopt or offer foster care. Um, foster care is really critical, just as I mentioned about that attachment piece, to have the experience of attaching while waiting for adoption or waiting for a birth family to get stable enough to take care of a child. That's a very critical time and to be meeting those needs. Um, so I was telling Catherine before also, one of the things we do with children therapeutically is create a timeline so we can kind of figure out different pieces of trauma that need to be processed. And I've seen children in the adoption sphere come in and they start their timeline at two years old because that's the first picture that they have and the first stories they know of their lives. And so I think families that can, if you can step up in that foster space and kind of cover that gap and take records of that or offering child care for those families that are trying to stabilize, whether it's through formal adoption or just having affordable child care available, um, but also coming alongside those families, I think, in a mentoring capacity if they are some, if it's domestic helpers or teen moms that are really trying to step up. So I know like Young Lives has a process that you can be a mentor and support teen moms. Um, so being willing to step into some of those spaces and then for families that do choose to do adoption or foster care, they really need support. So foster families, for example, might have really an emergency placement. And so suddenly they have a two-year-old and they have no toys and no clothes and no bed. And so having a network of people available to provide those things. And in a church like the Vine, you probably have people that have two-year-old level stuff. And so it's just a matter of sharing those resources. And the same thing with adoptive families. And with some of the stresses that can come from the trauma for the children that can get carried by the parents. And so just having reliable families to come alongside and be there for to give the parents rest and to also nurture their marriage and their relationship as parents is, I think, really important. Thank you so much. Um, there's been so much wisdom, insight that you've both shared this morning. We're looking forward to sharing some of these other resources. But yeah, thank you for taking the time and coming in to, uh, to share some of your experience with us. It's been a pleasure. Good to talk to you. Thank you for the opportunity. This conversation is part of our Missions Pathway at Children Development. You can access this and the other sessions on our website, divine.org.hk. 
forward slash missions, as well as other resources which help equip you to live missionally by connecting your faith with the knowledge to influence systems of injustice and share the gospel. If you'd like to learn more about Pathfinders and the incredible work that they do in caring for the vulnerable children and family in our cities, you can visit them at pathfinders.org.hk. 